Crippled Content Creations presents Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability, with your host, Andrew Gerza. Disability After Dark, with Andrew Gerza, shining a bright light on sex and disability. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Well, hello there, Disability After Dark listeners. Thanks so much for clicking on this brand new episode. If you can believe it, we're already at episode 116. I didn't even think we would get past 100 when I hit 100. 16 episodes ago, I didn't know what I was going to talk about anymore, and I, I just was like, I don't know what I'm going to give my awesome listeners, um, and we've made it to 116, and the numbers are, we're, again, we're, we're past 100,000, which I think is really great, and thank you so much for listening, and I've gotten more and more reviews from people saying how important the show is, how charming the show is, how necessary the show is in the disability landscape, and that kind of stuff blows me away, and I'd love to hear more of that from you. So I'd love for you to uh, to record a 20-second spot about why the show's important to you, and I'll put, it in the, I'll put it in the ad breaks. I'd love to hear more reviews. I'd love to hear your suggestions, and I would love more Minnesotes. We haven't done Minnesotes in a while because people have been bringing me stuff, but if you want to tell me your stories around sex and disability, uh, disability generally, all those things. If you have a story you want me to read on the air and then speculate wildly about, I would love to do that for you. You can email them to disabilityafterdark at gmail.com. So let's get started with the episode today. Okay, here we go. So if you've been following the show for the past couple of years and you've been kind of you've been listening to disability after dark since the beginning then you have heard me talk about a lot of things open and honestly that's always been my goal with disability after dark from the very beginning to shine a light on the real stuff around sex and disability that nobody talks about and in many ways i do that the best that i can you've heard me share my own personal journey navigating sex and disability with you on this show And I've had amazing guests share their stories with you. And I'm extremely proud of that. Couldn't be more thankful for all the stories that I've heard from people, for their willingness to be vulnerable, for their willingness to dive right in with me and answer the tough questions and answer real questions about sex and disability. And I'm happy to share my parts of that with you. And for the episode today, I want to get really personal with you and open up about a part of my sex life that, if you can believe it, I've been really ashamed about, and I've been really ashamed about this part of my sex life as a disabled queer man. It's really affected my identity, and the thing that I'm most that I that I've been really ashamed about sharing openly on the show is my decision to work with sex workers. That isn't something I've explored on the show in full because, well, for a few reasons actually. I wanted to protect the people I was working with. I wanted to protect myself as a figure. But the biggest and most honest reason why I didn't share this with you sooner was 
shame. I didn't know how my audience might react to the submission or how it might change your views of me as a host, a disabled man, and a sexual being. Now, if you listen back to some episodes, you'll hear me talk about some of the great sex I had, or I've talked to other sex workers on the show about sex and disability, but I only ever gloss over my involvement with sex workers as a queer disabled man. And recently, I discovered that that was putting a lot of pressure on me as a host to keep this thing alive and to keep this uh, this part of my sex life private as if it were this dirty, immoral thing I was doing, especially because I am disabled. I felt that pressure to keep this squeaky clean image so that people would take me seriously so much more. That was really important to me that people took me really seriously and that I that I didn't come out about working with sex workers and I didn't want to sully the brand, which is kind of silly and sort of goes counterpoint against what I'm doing because the whole brand is supposed to be about being real about sex and disability, right? Shining a light on the stuff we don't talk about. Well, guess what? I didn't talk about this enough and for the episode today, I want to do that with you. I'm going to be fully upfront with you about some of my experiences with sex workers, what my decision to work with them has been like, both the good and the bad parts of that, and what telling my mom that I have made this decision was like and why that was important for me and how that kind of changed everything for me. I also, in this episode, want to offer any advice to any disabled listeners who might want to work with sex workers, some of the do's and don'ts to keep yourself happy during this experience. That's really important and one of the things we'll go over. I also want to offer advice to any sex workers who may be working with a sec- with a disabled client for the very first time. Some of the do's and don'ts on that end of the spectrum for them. But I, what I really want to share with you is how working with sex workers has positively impacted my sexuality. And how, quite honestly, it has changed me for the better. Well then, let's shine a bright light on my experience with sex workers as a queer cripple. I didn't wake up one day and just frivolously, I can't talk, I didn't wake up one day and frivolously decide that I was going to work with someone. I didn't immediately think that that working with sex workers was even an option for me. In fact, for a long time, I would go on a gay escort website, so... I would go on a gay escort website and I would look at the profiles of potential male sex workers. I would look at their profiles, I would click on their profiles, I would consider emailing them or calling them, and I would spend hours doing this. And I would talk myself in and out of working with them. I would find every ableist excuse in the book that would say, Oh, Andrew, you're better than this. Or I would think to myself, I wasn't one of those disabled people. I could certainly find somebody the real way. Every single time I thought about doing doing it or actually going through with it, I would be immediately hit with a wall of shame. One that only got bigger and bigger when I considered that I was doing this as a disabled, vulnerable person. So one hour I would go on the website, and then the next hour I would go on Grindr or Scruff or Tinder, trying to find a quote-unquote real equivalent to a sex worker. 
which is silly because the sex worker is real and they're valid too. But that's what my ableist brain told me is that I had to find somebody the real way. The more and more I tried on tr traditional dating sites or hookup apps, the more and more I kept get, kept being met with ableist crap. That often meant we didn't even get to the coffee or the blowjob because they were too scared or too ableist to admit they were ableist. I would force myself to go on these sites even though I would never ever find what I was looking for and I'd feel like absolute shit after about myself, about my disability, and about sex. And this happened for years. For years and years, I'd, go, I'd, I'd look at these sites and then I'd look away because these voices would tell me that as a disabled person, I couldn't do this. And that just really, it scared me that I even had to consider going down that, going down that pathway of working with a sex worker because I thought it was wrong. And I thought I could do better. And I thought I deserved better than that. And I have to tell you that I was very wrong about that. But I thought in my prejudiced mind that I deserved something real. And sex work wasn't real. And that's not true. But my internalized ableism was telling me that. And then one day... One, I was just hanging out on the internet looking around and I thought, you know what, I'm going to log on and just see who's on there and see if there's anybody worth my time and if it's worth really something that I want to do. Because in the back of my mind, I had wanted to hire somebody for a long time, but I had all of this shame as a disabled man who should be doing something real and finding something real. I had all this shame, but I wanted to. And every time I was really alone, I found myself gravitating to the site. So one day when I was looking at my bank account and my heart on trying to figure out which one I was more concerned about, I was sitting at my desk in my wheelchair in early March of 2017 and I just muttered, fuck it. And I began looking for a worker that I could talk to. Now, I had no idea how to do any of this. And so I went on, I went on to the site looking for what my fantasy guy would be. And I know it might seem shallow, and I know it is shallow, and I know that it was full of my own internalized ableism, but I wanted the guy to have loads of chest hair, loads of muscles, and be conventionally masculine. Ugh. Now, even as I type that, my social justice brain is cringing, but my initial thoughts were, if I'm going to pay them for their time, I want the fantasy guy I always wanted, but I would never have. I wanted the guy who, would look, who looked like the kind of guy who would never, ever talk to me, because I'm a wheelchair user. I wanted the kind of guy be, because I felt I deserved the opportunity to see what that was all about. I remember I contacted this one muscly guy off the site and we hit it off. I was like immediately shocked because he was beautiful, muscular, built, chest haired, and ginger, exactly my type of guy. And I was like, yep, that's, that's who I want to talk to, that guy right there. And I messaged him almost immediately, and I was like, hi, have you ever worked with a disabled guy before? That was my, like, go-to. Hey, have you ever been with a disabled client? Like, I put it out there right away. And I asked him if he'd been with somebody, and he said no, but he'd be open to it. And he said it would be no problem. And I was even more excited because, for once, I was actually getting... The kind of guy that I never thought would talk to me. And yeah, I was paying for it, but it felt super good. There was a rush of like, what? I get to be with this person? Whether I paid or not, I get to be with you? Wow. 
Um, and I remember we exchanged Twitter DMs and started DMing there. And then we got we exchanged numbers and started setting it up and talking. And the dis- and I made the decision. And right there, I decided that I was going to work with somebody. And I was so excited. And I was giddy and nervous and butterflies. And I was ex- I really nervous about what all this would bring for me as a dis- disabled guy. And, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm actually working with a sex worker. But the decision was made. And he, no matter how excited I was, I was still ashamed about it. And even when I had set it up and as the day got closer for me to actually have the hookup with this person, I remember looking at my bank account and worrying about the limited amount of money that I got from talks, the government, etc. should be used towards something else. Something way more important. Thanks, internalized ableism. But then, at some point, after all this worrying, I realized that I didn't care. I realized that no matter what I do, as a disabled person, I never have enough money. Ever. No matter how hard I work, no matter how many talks I give, no matter how much I ask for support, I never ever have enough money because I am a marginalized disabled person. So knowing that and knowing that I'll never have enough money no matter what I do, I decided that I should be allowed to do with it what I want. And sucking a really hot guy's dick for money that I'm paying for and to feel like I was living out my fantasy for a minute was something that I wanted, that I really, 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 really wanted. And that was a liberating moment of freedom for me to be like, fuck it, this is my money and I'm going to do with it what I want. And as a disabled person, oftentimes our money is never our money. And so this was a moment where I was like, fuck you world, I'm taking this back and I'm doing this for me. There's a lot more to come on this episode of Disability After Dark, but first, we're going to play some ads from our awesome sponsor and some great listeners, so we'll do that and we'll be right back on Disability After Dark, the podcast shining light on sex and disability with your host, Andrew Gerza. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Come As You Are. Come As You Are is Canada's only worker-owned co-op sex shop. Trans-owned and operated, Come As You Are carefully reviews and curates their selection of sex toys, books, and DVDs. Now you can get 15% off your next purchase at comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Hey there, my name is Jay Austin. I'm a chef, go-go dancer, and adult content creator, and I listen to Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability. And we're back. I want to thank Come As You Are for being our continued sponsor. I do hope you go over to their website, comeasyouare.com, and use that discount code when you're shopping there because it's really cool that they do that and they have great stuff. And they are super supportive of disability in the sexualized spaces, so try to support them if you can. I also want to let anybody know who's listening who does, who wants to sponsor the show, hit me up at disabilityafterdark.com disabilityafterdark at gmail.com rather and let me know about uh, maybe a sponsorship opportunity for you to have an ad on the show other podcasts that do disability work and you want to do a promo swap I'm down to do that with you I want to get I want to get more disability stuff in the, in this show that isn't just mine because I think I want to I want to elevate those voices so if you have a project you want to do an ad for let me know and we'll put it in on the show but now let's get back to this episode okay on with the show.
So as this guy and I were getting to know each other, we were tweeting back and forth, we were making jokes, we were getting really comfy with each other, we were building up a little bit of a banter, which I immediately enjoyed, because even though I'm paying for them, I want them to feel like they're important to me when I'm spending time with a sex worker. I am really big on the boyfriend experience and, and making the session feel important and feel fun. It shouldn't just be about, like, I'm going to stick my dick in your hole and come and then we're done. That's not how I operate things. I'm really much more of a let's spend time together, let's get to know each other, let's build a relationship. And I want to build trust because I have to, because I'm disabled and I need to make sure the worker understands what my needs are and who I am. And so I was building a big trust with this guy. And so as they got closer, I didn't even consider asking for any kind of discount from him. I thought about it. I thought about asking for a disability discount, but realized that that wasn't fair because I know when I give talks and lectures and people try to undercut me, I wouldn't want to undercut someone else for doing their job. And so I abandoned that idea, but I did talk with him about about not a discount in the price, but, but a discount in terms of time and the way the money would be used because when you're disabled and you're working with a worker, you may need help to get in bed, get undressed, get moved around, all those things take time, and that may take more than the one-hour fee. So you might, if you're looking to work with a, a sex worker and you're a disabled person, you might want to consider talking to them about what your needs are exactly in terms of the time and how long each of those specific things you need might take, and then work out a fee that is fair for both of you and manageable for both of you before you set up a session. When I worked with this first worker, I made sure to pay him in advance. I didn't pay uh, the day of. I didn't pull out wads of cash to give to him. I paid him in advance. This was easier for me as a disabled person, and that way, any shame I had about having to hire somebody wouldn't feel so big because on date day, no money would actually be exchanged. And that's how I ran things. I wouldn't have to I wouldn't have to worry about money because I would already have taken care of it. Um, and I would recommend to all my disabled lovers, if paying in advance works for you, do that. Talk to the worker you want to hire about why that works and why that's important. Some workers said to me, no, no, cash only. And I would have to say like, hey, that's not a reality for me. Can we talk about it this way? And I'd have to explain why and explain that paying in advance is actually an accessibility need for you. That's okay to lay that out, and if, if the sex worker says no, maybe they're not somebody you should work with. I'm listening back to that segment on the mic, and all I can hear is like my weird mouth sounds because I got the mic moved a little bit, so all I hear is like... And it's so weird, but that's what I hear. Um, so... Anyway, things with this guy were okay for a while. Our sessions went really good for a few months without incident. We had a really fun, happy time. I was really I was getting my sex life back. I was fucking this hot dude. I felt for the first time in a long time, I felt really powerful in the bedroom with this guy. We would go out and we'd have coffee and we'd walk around my neighborhood together. And I felt for once like I was like one of the gang, like I was one of the crew, like this hot guy was with me and we were naked and it was great. And we should, and look at me, I'm, I'm 
getting all this stuff from this really attractive, conventionally attractive guy. And it was a, it was a really happy time for me. I loved every second of it. I was, I was like enamored with not so much him, but with his status of masculinity and queerness and like, like all of that within our community, which again is full of internalized ableism and internalized homophobia and all that stuff. And I know that now, but I was just enamored because I wanted to live out the fantasy for a little bit. And I was, um, and he would tell me things like we were friends. He would tell me things like at one point he said to me, you won't have to pay me for us to have sex. And I believed him. He there was this beautiful man standing naked in front of me and telling me that we would be friends one day and that he, I wouldn't have to pay him anymore. I believed him. I had no reason not to. I'd never done, done this before. And as you might imagine... Eventually, he just stopped communicating with me, and our sessions ended. When I reached out to him, I was breadcrumbed, and for all you non-millennials, breadcrumbing is when somebody will ghost you, and then they'll come back every few weeks and leave you a message here and there, and then they'll disappear again. So he breadcrumbed me for a few months until I was blocked officially. I was the most hurt that I've been in a long time. I was really upset. This actually happened um, around, I would say, I would say last year Christmas it happened. Um, and I just felt really silly because I had paid this asshole what little money I had as a queer disabled man to be used by him. And I was like, couldn't I, couldn't I be used by a queer dude for free? Couldn't I deal with your ableism for free? Why did I have to pay for it? Um, and I was really hurt because I really opened up my myself and my world to this person. And I really wished that they had had the balls to um, to just be honest with me and end the relationship properly. But he, he didn't. And I, as I'm sitting here, I have this overwhelming desire to name them on the show. But I don't want to do that because I'm a better person than that. So I won't do that. But it really hurt me because I thought that this was... I thought that he cared about it as much as I did, and I learned quite quickly that he didn't. I was depressed over this and over him for a solid six months, so much so that I texted him way too much. I tried to get a hold of him in every way possible. I apologized for things I didn't even do. It was really, when when I look back on it, it was a horribly toxic situation. Um, and... I was just not in good shape, and this was around the time when all the C. diff was happening last year, and you I mean you've heard the episodes about that, so I was not in good shape, and I was not happy in the least, um, and I just wanted him to to come back, and I didn't understand why, and I didn't understand what I what I what I did. Of course, then I found out from sources later that he did this to a lot of clients, and this was commonplace within this community. So I learned that I had to be careful. I had to be careful who I trusted and I had to be careful who I who I was honest with and that was a really good boundary setting moment for me. So about a month after he disappeared and when I was going through all the C. diff stuff, I decided that I wanted to work with someone else. It was horny one night, I hopped back on the site and I started looking for a new worker. I felt really weird about hiring someone else because I thought that he and I were close but... 
I immediately realized that, that I could do this and it was okay. And it didn't mean that I was breaking some sort of trust. I was taking my agency back. So I saw this guy, really cute, brown hair, blue eyes, beautiful beard. Um, and I, again, chest hair. And I was so in, I was basically any guy who shows me is like, we think that a big dick is a big deal. No, no. Chest hair for me is my jam. I'm all about it. I will. I want to bury my face in your chest hair so much. Because, ch- you know, thinking about it, for me as a disabled queer person in a wheelchair, um, chest hair is a really accessible aphrodisiac because it's right at my mouth level. So I'm all about chest hair. Um, <laughs> so this guy with blue eyes and a beautiful beard and great chest hair and a nice dick came over and we agreed to a session. And after our first session, we got on pretty easy with each other. And even though someone is working with me, I can tell when ableism becomes an issue. And with this guy, I never really saw that. He never let on that he was scared. He never let on that he was nervous. He just jumped right in. And the first night that we had our session, he learned the slang and he didn't he didn't bat an eye. And that was one of the sexiest moments with a person ever that I've ever had. Almost immediately, I set up charts with this guy. I set up times and, and dates when we were going to hook up and have our sessions. And I organized the shit out of those charts. And I was, I'm really proud of those. Um, and it felt awesome to have agency in this way and to take my sex life back from ableism. The sexy guy with the blue eyes and the chest hair and the big dick and I have been working together for over a year. And I'm impressed with how comfortably professional he's been with me. When he's there, we're friendly, but there's no expectation that we're friends. And there's no expectation that we have to be anything more than what we are, client and worker. And that doesn't mean we can't be affectionate towards each other. It just means there's some really healthy boundaries, and it's been some of the best sex of my life. Um, And setting those boundaries with him has not been easy, because I'm not a guy who does boundaries. I feel boundaries are steeped in a bunch of ableism all the time. But setting boundaries with him felt really important and necessary and good. Pro tip, if you're working with a sex worker, set out those boundaries for yourself at the beginning. And don't let them dictate the boundary too, too much. Take control of it, know what you want, and know what they can provide before you hire somebody. Lay those out at the beginning. I didn't do that, but you really should if you're going to hire somebody. Work with somebody, rather. I just started working with a new guy. Uh, he's really cute, and I am enjoying showing him the ropes. That's one of my favorite things to do when I work with a new sex worker is to show them how to do things. I really get off on teaching somebody how to take care of me properly, and to, I think that builds uh, character in the relationship and makes it stronger. And this guy, when he kisses me, he growls like a pup, and it just makes me... I can't even tell you how excited I am when I know we have a session with him because it's just pure sex. And that is, that's just so freeing for me to just be completely sexual with this guy from the minute he gets in to the minute we're done. And that's awesome. Do you remember the episode of the show where I talked about how how I want to have more shower sex with a guy? With this new guy, he said that he wants to shower with me and he wants to also have me over to his place for an in-call 
I've never really had sex over at another guy's place, as you heard from the episode where I talk about wanting to sleep over. That's never really happened for me. So the fact that he wants to try this is really exciting for me. And even the thought is almost enough sexual gratification that, that, that somebody would be willing to try that with me is a huge turn on. A huge, huge turn on. He sent me pictures of his place last week and said, oh, we, we can move this around, we can move this around, we can make it work. And that willingness to try as a worker is hugely important when you're working with a new sex worker. The willingness to figure stuff out is really, and it's also, for me as a disabled queer person, that's a huge, huge turn on. And I, it, it reaffirms for me that the relationship we'll have will be a positive one. But of course, I've also had workers who have, I've booked sessions and set up sessions to happen and then they've fallen asleep and then they've ghosted me and disappeared and not wanted to engage with me. And that's super shitty because when I engage with a worker, I try to be as upfront and honest and real about it as possible. I take sex work and working with them extremely seriously because it is a privilege I have as a disabled person and it's, it's something that I see as very, very important for me. And so when that trust gets broken by somebody falling asleep or forgetting, and I, I'm aware that that happens, things happen, but when it happens repeatedly and then they block you from the site, that's, I really disapprove of that. I would say to sex workers, please don't ghost on your clients, especially not the ones with disabilities who it took a lot of guts and courage to figure out that they want to work with a sex worker. Don't, don't soil that by being an asshole. Lay out exactly what you want, exactly what your terms are, exactly what you're willing to provide, and then the disabled person can decide from there. But to simply ghost because they were a little bit too needy or a little bit too intense or just excited by the prospect of actually getting the sex they want, that's cruel and unfair. Don't do that. If you, if you want to consider yourself to be a business, don't bail on somebody who is using your services to really connect with their sexuality. That's not fair or cool or right. That makes you a giant asshole and nobody should work with you. And to some of you listening, I am talking to specific sex workers who have burned me. I think that you should reevaluate why you got into sex work, who it's for, and if you're doing it to just purely be selfish, get out. I had a worker once tell me that I was handy capable just before sex, and I definitely could not get turned on after that. Uh, P.S. Sex workers, it's not sexy to hear your ableist joke right after I pay you. That's not cool. Don't do that. Uh, also, to the workers who think it's really sexy to show videos of able-bodied clients they were with, I had a worker do this to me, show me a bunch of videos of an able-bodied client they were with, and like, yeah, that was so hot. And I was like, um, I'm right here. Why are you showing me a video of somebody that I, something that I'll never be able to do that's super not cool and I wasn't okay with it? And I also didn't feel comfortable for the people on the video because they probably didn't expect me to watch the video. It felt really weird. And also because I was disabled and they were able-bodied, it felt like he was saying that my disabled body didn't turn him on, which is fine. But in that case, then don't work with me then. That's, then, then, then excuse yourself. Um, what else? I would say to disabled 
lovers and people who disabled people who want to hire uh, a sex worker, remember this. Remember that you have agency here to make decisions to a point. But it is important to remember that the sex worker you're working with is still a person and probably has commitments and a life outside of you. So don't expect them to drop everything for you. I've had I've had attendants of mine say, oh, you're horny? Just call your sex worker and set up a, a thing right now. And I always have to be like, no, no, that's not how this works. They're still a person, and I can't be expected to simply call them when I want to get off just because. That's not how that works, and it shouldn't be an expectation that you have. And it isn't, it's certainly not sex whenever you want simply because you're paying. And so just because you're disabled and might be horny, take that into account when you're considering hiring somebody. They won't be over there in 20 minutes. It'll be, let's get to know each other and let's see what's happening. And I think that's the safest way to do it because if you invite somebody over right away, you run the risk of having issues with disability and all that stuff. But if you get to know them, it makes the sessions that much stronger. This is also the time, because you're paying for the time and you're paying for the kind of experience you want, this is also the time, and I found this really useful, to tell them everything about your disability, all the ways that it impacts you and all the ways that you feel about it and how what you want them to do and how you want them to treat that. And I know, I'm sure I mentioned this in other episodes, but in working with sex workers, this is the place where you can really, truly get all that stuff out and lay all about all out what your needs are because you're paying for their time. So if there's anything that that they need to know or you think they need to know, you don't have to. I I at least haven't had a moment of too much awkwardness where I I felt concerned about how they felt. I have expressed that a little bit, but I've gotten to the place where I feel super safe saying, "Here's my disability. Here's the reality. Here's what you'll need to do for me." Um, how do you feel about that? And you lay out how it may or may not impact them and you let them hear it. And then you can decide upon setting it up how you're going to work with this worker or who you are. Because laying that out also is really affirming for them to see how far they want to go. And I've had workers say to me, I want to do this with you. I'll do this with you, but I don't feel comfortable here. And I said yes or no, depending on what I wanted. Uh, and then we, we went from there. But to lay that out with a worker feels really much more powerful than it has with a random hookup because there's there's ownership in that so that each party understands what's happening. And that's taught me to be really, really vocal about my needs with just people that aren't sex workers. So while I was having these experiences with sex workers for almost two years now, I've been hiding this information from my mom. It, would, it really wasn't something that I wanted to share with her. I was I was really concerned about what she might think. Now, you all heard my mom in episode 65 of this show being super supportive of sex and disability in my work. And if you haven't, go back and listen to episode 65. It's a great episode. One of my all-time favorites. People still come up to me and say, Hey, I just listened to the episode with your mom and I like fell apart with how great she is. She's kind of amazing. Um... But I was, I wasn't, I was so, I wasn't so sure she would be okay with this side of things. So I kept it from her, which I hated doing because I love sharing news with my mom and I love getting her to see my side of things. And she's so supportive of me. So I hated hiding this from her, but I was scared. I was scared that she might think I'd given up 
on romance or finding somebody real or that I was going down a wrong path of sorts and that I was like being being like a dirty person or something. I was really worried about what she might think. So I didn't say anything and I kept hiding it and I just kept saying, oh, I'm just meeting this guy to hook up. We're just hooking up. I, n- I would never say it's a sex worker. I just said we're hooking up. Um, and I thought I was being super stealth about it. Uh, and then one day about three weeks ago, my mom and I were talking about something and I just up and said, yeah, so I, I work with sex workers. And it slipped out of my mouth so fast I was like, oh, yeah, I work with sex workers. Oh, dear, no. Uh, it, it slipped out of my mouth so fast that I couldn't believe that I said it. Couldn't believe that I even said the words. And there was a quick pause after I said, yeah, I work with sex workers. And in that pause, I was freaking out. I was having like the worst mental breakdown with myself. And I was waiting for her to chime me or be upset or be concerned or something. And... She, without missing a beat, said, okay, no problem, that's great, yeah, good, good, I'm, I'm happy to hear that. And the minute she said it was okay, and she was okay with it, my whole world opened up. It, it was a really strong, strengthening moment between my mom and I, where we were not only mother and son, but we were truly friends, because I told her the one thing I was scared about admitting to her, and she was okay with it, and it was... A great way to engage with sexuality and tear down the stigma of disabled people working with sex workers. And since having told her, I felt free to tell more people because I think I think disabled people's relationships with sex workers are important and must be explored. But they should be explored in a way that puts them in power. So much of the stuff that I have seen out there regard, regarding sex work and disability praises the able-bodied sex worker as the savior. And I want to change that conversation to put the disabled person in power. Instead of article titles like, and this is one I read last night when I was doing research, sex workers giving disabled people a chance to live out their dreams, I want to see more articles that talk about the power and agency disabled people have to hire sex workers and what that means. I may just have to write one. We'll see. I briefly now want to talk about what working with a sex worker has taught me as a disabled queer man and, and the, some of the stuff I've learned from having these experiences. I've learned that I have power and agency in my sex life and in the bedroom, and we are never ever told in sexual narratives around disability that we have power. And we're never ever told we have any kind of agency over ourselves and any kind of will to decide what we want to do and in this situation when I give my money over to a sex worker and book that time I have a very specific sexy kind of power as a disabled person. I've also learned that I get to be selfish. If I want sex and just sex I have that as an option. It doesn't need to be tied to romance or love or ableism or any of that and believe me as a disabled person that feels fucking awesome to just be like, hey, I want to get my dick wet and I want to be a bit slutty and here's how I want to do it. That feels great. Working with a sex worker and a number of sex workers has given me self-confidence. It helps me feel less needy around my disability and sexuality and that feels super powerful. I don't have to wait for a text from somebody all the time. I don't have to hope they're thinking about me. I don't have to text them. When I want to, I can. And when, they, when they're when they able to respond, they will. 
it allows me to be like, I am sexy and I am confident. And if you don't have time for me, cool, no problem. I can go do something else. It doesn't mean that I have to be cling so much. And working with a sex worker has helped me do that. The sex worker helps me feel more professional. Working with them has made me create charts, has made me create timelines, has made me think about where I'm putting my money and doing financial stuff. They've helped me with disability things I never thought of before. They really help me get things going in a professional sense. And I, I, I turn those two hours into sexy time, but also it's sexy business time to be, this is my sex time, what do I need to do? It helps me organize things in a different way and that's really really powerful and I feel whenever I'm with a sex worker and I'm I'm putting in my hours or the hours that we work together I feel super like yeah I'm doing this and I'm investing in me and that's a professional thing and I feel really really empowered and strong when I do that one of my most favorite things about working with sex workers is that I get to look at relationships from an uh, an unconventional lens and realize that I'm having a relationship with these workers but it isn't it isn't necessarily romantic it isn't always forever and that's allowing me to look at relationship structures as a disabled person differently and that's I love what that's doing for me and allowing me to say that I, I do have relationships but they don't have to fall under an ableist like I love you forever I'm going to take care of you thing in a way because I'm working with these sex workers my money is helping to take care of them in a way and shifting the power imbalance a little bit. Um, and that's really cool. And so it makes me look at wanting relationships a different way. And there will be a whole podcast episode about how I'm going to be single forever and what that means for me. But working with sex workers and, and having that agency has really made me look at relationships with people and with myself in a really different positive light. Well, that's my big confession is that I've been working with sex workers for over a year and a half now, almost two. And I hope that anybody listening who is disabled and who wants to work with sex workers and has questions about it, please send me an email at disabilityafterdark@gmail.com. I'd love to look into options for you. I know that not everywhere in the world makes this a possibility and it isn't always the safest or easiest thing to do. If you're disabled and you want to talk about options, I'd love to go over it with you. If you are a sex worker and you have questions, particularly a gay male-identified sex worker and you want to work with somebody and you have concerns or questions or ideas and you want somebody to go over that with, also please send me an email to disabilityafterdark at gmail.com and I'd love to expand on these ideas for you. I don't really have much else to say, but that's kind of what I wanted this podcast to be, just a free flow of ideas around sex work and disability and, and to come out to you with my experiences. But I want to thank you all so much for listening. And next week, I'm actually going to talk to a friend of mine that he and I have sex. And I asked him to come on and talk to me about what it's like for him or what, it, what it's been like for him having sex with me. So he's also one of my sex worker friends. And I'm excited for you to hear that interview. For now, this has been another episode of Disability After Dark. You'll hear the ending in just a second. Thanks so much for listening. Let's shine a bright light on sex and disability together. Also briefly, oh wait, um, I'm going to do holiday episodes, holiday like bonus episodes for the Patreon. So those are coming up and I'm, I'm recording some bonus content soon. So look out for that and join the Patreon if you want to. Patreon.com slash content. Thanks folks. Bye. 
Alright, so that's another episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability. I'm, of course, your host, Andrew Gerza. Thank you so much for listening and being a part of this. If you want to follow my work, you can head on over to www.andrewgerza.com or follow me on Twitter at Andrew Gerza. You can also follow the Disability After Dark podcast on Twitter by following DisAftDarkPod. You can also follow our Facebook page, facebook.com slash disabilityafterdark. It would also be super awesome if you could leave a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts so more people can hear about the show. And if you are able and want to support the show, you can do so by heading over to patreon.com slash cripple content. This way we can do, do things like get better equipment, you help me make a living doing this thing. You help support content made but made by and for people with disabilities. So I can't thank you enough. And you can pledge whatever you can and as little as $1 a month to make it as financially accessible as possible. Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you again next time right here on Disability After Dark. Copyright Notice Disability After Dark was presented, created, and produced by Andrew Gerza and Crippled Content Creations, with music by Chris Ujiuchi. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and music, are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission. Copyright, Crippled Content Creations, 2018.